him this morning if we truly believe that he is the Alpha and the Omega. We truly believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of glory. Can we just lift our hands as a sign of surrender to him this morning and can we worship him? Father, we worship you. God, we recognize that you are in this place. We acknowledge your presence. And Lord, we are submitted to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you, God, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We thank you, Jesus, that we can come together as, as one body. Lord, in your presence, with you being the head and you directing our steps. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Father, if there's any ailment in this body this morning, God, we pray that you'll bring healing. God, if there's any emotional sickness, God, that tormenting today, God, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to the brokenhearted and, Lord, that you will raise them up and you'll bring healing in them. Lord, if there are those in this house this morning, in this body, who feels captivated by something of their past, in the name of Jesus, we recognize you, Lord, as the breaker. And we ask that you'll break every curse and every chain. That your presence illuminates our path today. We worship you. And we give you the glory. For you are truly worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I don't know about you, but I just sense a beautiful spirit of the Lord in this place this morning. Wow. Wow. Mm. Lord, we just bask in you, Jesus. It is sitting at your feet that we find ourselves complete. Lord, we just bask in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Can you just... Turn to the person beside you and say, you look good this morning. Amen. I don't want that lion spirit to go around either now. Just You look good. So great to have Beverly back with us and have mom and dad. That's all right. We honor these men of God. Bless you, man. So good to have you. Been praying for you. Um, Beverly's mother lost her mother of 91 years. A few, I guess about a week and a half ago. Something like that. And so that's why we've been missing that beautiful voice up there. But we're so thankful that you're here today. And uh, we honor you this morning. And we've been praying for you. God is so good. Man. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like running, you know? Just take off and just let it go, you know? I mean, do you get, it, do you get that excited where just bubbles inside of you? You know, my mom says, you know, I get so excited now, but my knees won't function the way I want them to, and I want to run. So she said, I just shout where I sit. I said, well, Lord, just shout where you sit. If you can run, if you can dance, if you can worship, why not? Amen? I mean, there's a whole lot of people out there that dance for a lot of other things. Why not dance for the King of kings and Lord of lords? Amen? Woo! Why not celebrate Him? Amen? We can celebrate national championships. We can celebrate U.S. doing this. We can celebrate all these other things. But man, we serve a king that is a conquering king who has won it all. There's nothing that can stop him. He's able and we're on his team. And just as he's the quarterback, we are running this race with him. And we are victorious. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Man. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to paint my face up and get wild. Wow! Amen! Uh, is that all right? 
Y'all know, I just, you just got to know me, dude. I, I'm sorry, y'all voted. <laughs> it is what it is, boys and girls. Man, God's good. I will promise you this, that I will do my best to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, however that looks. If it means shout, I will shout. If it's dance, I will dance. If it's just stop and sit and bask, we will stop, sit, and bask in his presence because ultimately I want, and I know you want, the Holy Spirit's leading in this place because when he directs, the presence flows. And when he directs, he can do what he wants to do. And it, it moves us past our agendas and it puts us into his presence and what he wants. I mean, there's a reason that, that in the old temple that they actually wore a bale, the priest would wear a bale into the presence because if there's an ounce of him left, it would wipe him out. And they'd have to pull a string, pull him out. Listen, I don't want an ounce of Paul Dyer. I want all of God. I want all of God. Lord, let your glory be revealed in this house. Let your presence, let us enter in to that presence of the Holy of Holies that he transforms us and changes us by the glory of God. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. You are using the same notes that I'm using, all right? I just printed the notes. So it's a little longer. My wife said, you got time for that? Oh, we got plenty of time. Amen. Amen. First Kings chapter 18. Starting with verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, the American Standard Version says, a roaring. Oh, have, you, have you ever been in, uh, seen a rain come up and it's just like a roar? A roaring of a heavy shower flowing in. So there is a sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of uh, Carmel, or Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servants, Go up now toward and looked toward the sea, and he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time he said, There is the cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up and say to the Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Father, I pray, Lord, God, that we will that we will look for the reign of your Holy Spirit. God, that we will not be content with, with those things that may come before, but God, that we will bask until the ultimate presence of God refreshes, restores, renews each one of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I look at this, you know, why did the rain stop? You know, you have to realize that they were in a season of famine. They were in a time where it had been three and a half years since the rain had, had flown. And I don't know about you, but, you know, if the rain doesn't rain on my yard for about six or seven weeks, the grass starts to turn brown, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, and those of you who have been to Israel know that there's uh, some very dry seasons and so you can imagine three and a half years without rain. Three and a half years without uh, this flow. So therefore everything was dry and dusty and horrid and arid and they just needed rain. So why did the rain stop? Well, you go back and you look at 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, verse, verses 29 through 31, we see that... Uh, Abraham, verse 30 says, Now Abraham, the son of Omari, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, Randy, but 
If I did more than my brothers did, I'd be in bad shape. Hmm? Did, did worse than any other kings before him. In other words, he was a wicked king. And, and, and we would think that maybe that's the reason. And, and, and really, it is a part of the reason. But there's even more to that. Because when you look at what he did, he not only was he just considered a wicked king, but uh, the Bible there in verse 31 says that he didn't even think it's trivial to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. In other words, he didn't think it was wrong to just go out and do flagrant sins. How I many know that we're living in a time in a world where sin has become flagrant? It used to be that, they, that people would hide in the back scenes. If, if, if they were those who had been raised in church and they decided to take a little sip, they would hide their stuff, right? Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and it has become more flagrant. No matter, even within the church realms, there are people who are mixing their sinful lifestyles with the body of Christ, with the things of God. And let me tell you something. They've become so flagrant that God is not pleased. Amen? And so we see that he had begun to do these things. And the Bible says that, that he didn't think it trivial to walk in these sins. He didn't think anything about it. It wasn't a problem. He, he just wanted to do his own thing. And, and, and then it goes on and says that he married Jezebel, the, the daughter of Ethbel. And, and to think about that, what, what does the word Ethbalah mean? And it means with Baal. In other words, he married uh, the daughter of the king of the Sidonites, and, and, and he was a, I mean, literally, his name means with Baal. He was with the, uh, this God, uh, some would call a God of nature, one, one who they worship as a God of nature. Baal manifests in various different forms as they created those different forms, and they worshiped them. And, and so not only do I see that, that it didn't rain because of the wickedness of the king, but also because we serve a sovereign God. How many know that we have to give him all the glory? We don't give God some glory. We don't give God a partial of the glory. We give God all the glory. It is him and nothing else. I mean, I love the song, nothing else. Nothing else will do. It's so amazing how in our world today, it's Jesus and something. I mean, how many know that many cults have gotten away with uh, basically deterring people from the cause of Christ because they've added just enough Jesus to confuse somebody. But it's Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else will do. Every little child that's born in Honduras, even at the hospitals, they will put a red, a red ribbon around that child's arm, that baby's arm. And, 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 and what I have tried to encourage and help parents understand, that is a demonic thing. They say, well, well, it means protection. I said, let me tell you something. It's Jesus and nothing else. Because there's no voodoo. There's no witch doctor. There's nothing else that will do. It is only Jesus. And so, why did the rain stop? Because Jesus, for, for God himself, will not share his glory. They can pray all they want to. They can do their rain dance. They can do every dance they want to. But it is only God himself who is sovereign. If he wants to stop nature, he can stop nature. If he wants to stop the earth from spinning as we know, he can do it. He's God. And so we see the sovereignty of God being demonstrated in this situation. And also we have to understand why Mount Carmel? Because Mount Carmel was a place where they practiced the worship of Baal very often. It was a center of worship for Baal. So it's amazing that, how many know that old song? Well, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Yes, I took back what he stole from me. Y'all about as old as I am. Took back what he stole from me. And so when you think about it, what he was saying, because he was saying, look, I'm going to go to the enemy's camp. He said, let's not, call, let's not take this over to Jerusalem. Let's take this to Mount Carmel. Let's take this up there uh, near the ocean. Let's take it to the center of Baal worship. Let's go into the heart of the enemy's camp and let's do this show right there, right? And so we see that maybe it was because the wickedness of Ahab. Maybe it was because we see the sovereignty of God being demonstrated. But ultimately we see that 
it is because the word of God. Elijah, there in verse or chapter 17, he came to Ahab, he says, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. I understand that, that he had some authority. Who was Elijah? But he was, what I love about this is that the Bible says he was standing in the face of God. Let me tell you something. When you are standing in the face of God, when you're standing in the penile moments face to face with God, you are empowered by God. Too many times we want to walk on the outskirts of God's favor. We want to feel the chill bumps. We want to, we want to see God move, but we do not want God to move us. And yet, here we see this is Elijah who is standing in the presence of God Almighty. He recognized that God is a God who lives. He's not some uh, carved image he's not some false god he's not some pretense he is god almighty he lives and he's standing in the presence of god and when you're standing in the presence of god when god says thus saith the lord you can't help but repeat what god says amen 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 so he said i before whom i stand i stand there so really we see that when we pronounce the things of God, we are, when we're standing in the presence of God and we begin to proclaim the things of God, let me tell you something, there's consequences. Because when we declare the things of God, we're also participants in the things of God. Because we see that when, we, when God says there's going to be a famine, guess what? Guess who lives in the same land? The righteous. When God declares something and you may be the messenger of the declaration, but just because you're the messenger of the declaration doesn't mean that you forfeit God's plan or that you are exempt from God's plan. You are a part of the plan. He makes the rain on the just and the unjust. He makes the sun rise on the, the good and the evil, right? Matthew chapter 5. And so we see that... that that Elijah was a man of authority and he had to live with the consequences of this uh, declaration. But how many know that when you are walking in God, even in the midst of your trials, even in the midst of the famine, God will sustain you. And that's what his word, he, I mean, he literally said the, the words that this was going to happen and immediately God says, go. Go to the brook, right? Now, how many know that Pride comes before a fall, right? On, <laughs> and, and, and God sent him to the brook, but so many times God sends us to places to be sustained, and we look at the person who sustains us, and we say, God, not them. God, not that. We begin to get choosy on what we expect from God. God, I want this, and I want that, and God, if you're going to do this, then I know that you will give me all of what I want. Mm. And yet here, Elijah is, he's by the brook, and the Lord says, the ravens are going to send you some food. Now, to understand ravens, you've got to understand these are scavenger birds, right? These are the birds that you try to keep out of your bird nests. Because they come in and they'll tear up and beat the eggs of the other, of the other birds. They just mess up everything. They're scavengers. And yet here God says, I'm going to send a scavenger. How many know that a scavenger knows where to get stuff? Come on, somebody. Amen. A scavenger knows where to find stuff when nothing can be found. And so the Lord used a scavenger, used a raven to bring him meat during the day and meat during the evening. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth and say, you can't bring it to me. I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. God, it's by your plan, by your will. Whatever you want, I will, I will trust you. I know that you're dire directing and leading. I follow you, God. And then guess what? When the brook dries up, I mean, sometimes, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's complete messages right here, all right? But then God sends us to the widow. Now, the widow's the ones in need. 
I mean, true religion undefiled before God is taking care of the orphan, taking care of the widow. God, my ministry is to sustain them. And so, why are you sending me to the widow to be sustained? But how many know that in the midst of your sustaining, God begins to allow you to sustain others? Because if God will provide for you through the widow, that means he's going to sustain her. Amen? And so, he went by the widow and and God blessed her. Not only her, because she was willing to give of her first. Uh. Well, let me eat my cake first. No. You've got to give when God says give, right? Well, Lord, wait a minute. I've got to pay this bill. I've got to pay that bill. I've got to do this. God, wait a minute. I don't know if I can do that. I mean, why are you sending this guy to me? Why are you calling me, God? I mean, look, I can't do this. You see what I've got, and, I, and, and all I'm going to do is cook this cake, and I'm going to die. God says, if you'll just sustain the man of God, I'll make sure that your oil doesn't run out. I'll make sure your meal doesn't run out. Amen? Amen. So, we see that sustaining comes from unlikely places. And when God sustains us, and He uses us to sustain others, then He will... It's, it's a process of flowing through. How many understand that God's not created you to be a cistern, but he's created you to be something that, that you can flow through, right? A vessel to flow through. And if God can get it to you, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. And, and so if you will just be willing to allow God to flow through you, if you'll walk around with hands open, God will continue to sustain. But if you walk around closed fist, it, 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 it might be all you get. Amen? That's a whole different message right there, boys and girls. Amen. Amen. So when does the rain come back? Well, we see in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And I'm, I am doing my best to make sure that I compact this to make sure we get uh, the full word. All right? And it came to pass... After many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send the rain. You know, when I, when I look at this, and, and I, I probably have the outline backwards here, because first I would like to say, when the people of God become submitted to God. When does the rain begin to flow? When can God begin to pour out his presence again? It's when the people become submitted to God. Amen? When we truly surrender ourselves to him. And we see that Elijah's fame came from the king who was fomenting all kinds of evil and hatred. Elijah was new. He was, uh, literally, he was a new prophet. Just sprang up there in chapter 17. He wasn't well known, but yet here's a king who he had given a word to. And how many know that when you give a word to somebody, if the enemy doesn't like it, they don't like you. Right? And so here, the word of the Lord came through Elijah to Ahab, and Ahab then began looking for him. Because, oh yeah, whatever. But when the grass began to dry up, and when the fruit began to not produce, and when the animals were literally about to die, uh, then he's looking around. And, and literally, the Bible tells us that he actually sent people through every city looking for Elijah. I mean, Jezebel had even taken the prophets of God and had murdered them by 50. And so here he was. He is... He's been made famous by the hatred of a king. There's a nugget here I, I, you, you might need to understand. Unforgiveness only produces fame in the other people. Y'all can set that on. Y'all set that. Y'all, y'all listen to that later. Because if you allow unforgiveness to... to stir in you then all you're doing is lifting that person higher and higher and if you'll just forgive and you'll let God handle the rest and he'll take care of it right but because the hatred of the king Elijah began to gain fame and here he was and and the Lord told him go and find Ahab but 
uh, at this moment when he was looking for Ahab, uh, Obadiah, and uh, the, I guess the manager of the house and King Ahab himself had gone out looking for water. They were trying to find water to feed their animals to keep them from dying. And Obadiah came and saw Ahab and says, you know, Ahab, it's, I mean, Elijah's you. And, and he said to Elijah, he said, uh, I need to take you back to Ahab. This is the, you know, PDV, Paul Dyer version. I need to take you back to Ahab. And he said, no, he says, I'll go see him. Look, if I don't take you back, if, and I go back, I mean, this is the fame that Elijah has gained because he's a man of God, because he declared the things of God, and because when he declared the things of God, uh, the, the, the things that he declared became reality. And so therefore, he had fame throughout the land. And he said, look, if I don't take you back with me and I walk away from you, God's going to take you up and I'm going to go to the king and be by myself and, and, and then he's going to kill me because I don't have you and you didn't show up. He said, no, I promise you, I will show up. And he shows up and, and we know that when he shows up, we find that, how many know that the enemy is an intimidator? The people have been intimidated. I mean, Elijah shows up to Ahab, and guess what he calls him? He didn't call him Paul, because he said, Troubler. I know that's my nickname, but that's not me, right? He said, you troubler, you one who causes trouble? I said, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't cause this. How many know the Bible says sin reveals itself in wrath, Right? I mean, if I'm driving down the road and, I, and I'm driving 65 and a 45 and I get pulled over, you know, I'm not going to call the police the troubler. You old troubler, why don't you give me a ticket? Because sin reveals itself in wrath. I mean, it's, you know, if I'm doing the crime, then I've got to pay the fine, right? Mmm, that hurts. You old troubler. And so he called him the troubler. And, 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 and then you've got to realize that there were 450 prophets of Baal. There were 400 prophets of Asherah. I might have that backwards there. And, 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 and Asherah is the, we, we always talk about the Asherah pole, but the Asherah is actually the goddess. And in and, and, and mythology, in the mythology of the time, it was said that, that Baal and Asherah were married. They were gods in those times. And so, here was Ahab who was worshipping Baal, who had been a, been, built a temple for Baal, who also had been, built places of worship for Asherah. Uh, he had gathered those prophets together. And let me tell you something, the world looks intimidating to us. The world looks like, how can we, being so few, defeat the outbreak of sin that is rolling through this world and our country today? They seem like they have more authority and more power. They get away with more things. And, and we wonder, how in the world can we overcome intimidating? And that's what the enemy wants you to feel. He wants you to feel like it is uh, an impossible task, that you are unable to do this, that you can't handle it. And, and, and all of those feelings and emotions that we feel that cause us to run and hide. And, and here is Elijah. He's presenting himself in the midst of all of this. Because he's been before the Lord, right? He's been before the Lord. As we find that it was an intimidating feeling. It's kind of like, you know, well, no, I'll go there. <clears throat> trying to be short, guys. Intimidating people. But not only is there, is there an intimidating people, because when you look at this, this scripture, I'm in chapter 17, see. You with me? Chapter 18, sorry. Verse 16 through 19. We see that he called him troubler. He's intimidating. He's intimidating the people. The people have been intimidated by Jezebel and all of her acts that she's done. But then we go down to verse 20. And, and Ahab, 
sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the, the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said to them, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And I believe that too often we uh, are indifferent. So many times we, we see a world who's indifferent and they don't, because they've never experienced the power of God as we have experienced, they're wavering between, between two opinions. We wonder why our young people, we wonder why children of today are wavering because they've not experienced the fire on the mountain. If we are, if we have experienced Listen, let me tell you something. It's one thing to have experienced something and talk about it. It's another thing to walk in it that other people sense it and they, they feel it off of you. Amen? Because if you're still walking in this experience and in the power of God, then others will also want that experience. The same thing that it takes to get, it takes to keep. Because if you've experienced the power of God, if you've experienced the anointing of God, if you've experienced the glory of God, you know what it took to get there. I remember the, the all-night prayer meetings. I remember coming down the altar and, and praying and seeking the face of God. I mean, when Jesus told the disciples, can you tarry but one hour? The problem is, is we, we can't tarry five minutes any longer. And we want to experience the same anointing. We want to experience the same power. We want to experience the same glory. And the Lord said, can you not just tarry an hour? Can we just spend some time? Can we just get to know? Can we just uh, spend a little moments letting God speak into us? And, and so when people become indifferent, they, they begin to waver between two opinions. We wonder why they waver because they've not experienced God. You can talk about it all you want to. You can talk about mythology. You can talk about the Greek gods, the Roman gods. You can talk about all these things, but they mean nothing. But when you experience the power and the anointing of God, it changes everything. They were indifferent, wavering between two opinions. I mean, matter of fact, he says when, when he says that, how long will you waver between two opinions but here's the, here's, the, here's the pronouncement of the people. But the people answered him not a word. I mean, no. Guilty. Right? I remember an overseer coming to me one day and we were talking and, and there was a group of people talk, uh, discussing a certain topic and I was sitting there in the in the discussion and I didn't say anything and and they went off of believing what they said and I, I just like they're crazy you know and he says he said Paul he says your silence is agreeing with them he says if you don't agree you've got to state it because if they're walking in heresy because of your silence what have you done but promoted their cause. Another opportunity I went, uh, there was a, a church that had an event that was not sanctioned by uh, our organization, and it, it really wasn't something that I wanted to go to, but I felt a need, and I went, and it was crazy. And once again, my overseer had to jump on me. He said, listen, he says, you're showing up as authority to that event. Because when we are walking as an authority of God, and how many know that you have the power of God in you? And when you're walking in the authority of God and you show up places and you don't demonstrate or you don't identify and you don't walk in the presence and power of God in those places and you just, you literally are agreeing with the, the, the lifestyle, the way, if you don't say something. Because we're anointed for such a time as this. What does light have to do with darkness? We have to be the light. And if we walk into darkness and we're not shining the light, then what are we doing? But walking in indifference. Well, let them do their thing. I'll do my thing. No! It is not that way. The world is going the wrong direction and no one's yelling stop. 
At some point, we have to stand up. I'm not saying in a condemning way. We're not here to condemn anyone. Jesus himself said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me, the world might be saved. There's a word that we carry. There's a message that we bring. And we are the ones who are there, the watchmen, showing the way. Hey, guys, listen, there's a better way. But if we walk in indifference, we walk allowing. You know, I see these little tags or these little stickers on the back of people's cars saying coexist. I'm sorry. It just can't be. I mean, look, we might be in the same room, but there is something greater. And I hate to say that, that I, I hate to burst people's bubble, but there is only one way. And it is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no other option. So people have become indifferent because they become indifferent. They're willing to allow uh, other things to take place because you, you see that they became even a, a doubting people. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I'm alone, uh, alone and I left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. They're, therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one uh, bull for themselves. And it goes on and and basically, the people's answer in verse 24 says, the word is good to us. In other words, yeah, that's good. Let, let, let's, let's, let's really put God to the test. Listen, if you know God, you wouldn't put God to the test. Right? I mean, seriously. If you truly know who God is, if you truly know that he is God the creator of heaven and earth, he's the one that spoke into existence the, the, the world that we live in. He's the one who made us, knitted us together in our mother's womb. If we know that he is God, then, then we wouldn't test him. So, so evidently they were a doubting people because they wondered, they wanted to know, is God really real? And that sound familiar today? Is God really real? The world's wanting to know, is God really real because they don't know God? And if the people of God are walking around with the same mentality, is God really real? Will God really show up? Then where, who are we? What faith do we have? What understanding of God do we have? What reality are we walking in? The doubting people. I mean, the fact is, is there's a whole lot of people just looking for the fire. And believe me, that's an exciting thing, but it's more than the fire. Fire is just, just a, a piece of the, the puzzle. Do you really, I, don't, I don't really know. Do we really want the fire? Woo, because if you think about it, the fire is an all The Bible says God is an all-consuming fire. And if you truly want God to consume you, then praise God. Yes, let the fire fall, God. But are you ready for that all-consuming fire to breathe into you? I pray we are. I want it, believe me. But that's not all that God wants to do. Amen? We find that, that when they, they said, oh, that's good with you, then we find a broken people. Because, you know, let me say something. We were created for worship. Look to somebody and say, you're created to worship. We were. Jared, we were created to worship, man. And we're going to worship something. And so we, we look at the world and we think, why would they want to go do that? They look so dumb. Don't they know what they look like? So they prepared their bulls. They did their thing. They, uh, matter of fact, it said they leapt, leaped or leapt before the Lord, before their God. And literally, it's a ritual dance that they did. And if you go back and you and you and you look at that scripture where we just read, how long will you waver between two opinions? It is the same word, leapt. How long will you dance? How long will you worship both sides of the fence? Ooh, that makes it a whole different ball game, doesn't it? How long will you go and party on that side of the fence and then come to church and raise your hands and dance on that side of the fence? You can't do both. 
And so the people there, they, they sat there in anticipation. They, they were still doubting. It's a good thing. We're going to test God. And so as they were, as those who were worshiping, as those priests were preparing, as those priests were dancing and doing their thing, the people were there in anticipation. Is Baal going to do something? The Bible says there was no voice. There was no answer. That's so, that's so frustrating when you get a call and you call somebody and you call somebody and they never answer. And so, finally, Elijah, in his boldness, looks at them and says, why don't you cry a little louder? Why don't you dance a little more? Why don't you do your jig just another, one more time? Play that song again, Sam. Right? And then they begin to cut themselves and begin to bleed out. They begin to do all these extreme things trying to get Baal or Baal to answer. How many know that, that the world seems good for a season? And they might have the answers for some fleshly things because the Bible says that flesh reveals itself to flesh, but spirit reveals itself to spirit. They might attend to your fleshly desires for a moment. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you the world won't give you something good. I'm going to tell you, the reality is, is you might get more help in a bar than you will in a church in some places. You get that brother drinking about four, four or five knock back and you come in and say, I need a shirt. He might give you the shirt off his back. It's real. They did their dance, they did this thing, and yet they realized they were a doubting people, a, a broken people. How many know that broken people do broken things? Why do we expect, why do we expect the world to do good things? I mean, just be honest, right? I can't believe they did that. I can. They don't know Jesus. You know? Why would they go, why would they go? you know, sell themselves, or why would they go do these things? Because they don't know. They don't know Jesus. If they know Jesus, they know that they have more value and that there's something better. But look, broken people do broken things. And how many know that there's some Christians that are not completely well yet? Amen? So don't expect the person beside you to always be perfect because God takes broken pieces and he's still molding some things. Amen. He's still repairing some things. He's still working on me. Like that old song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the Y'all know that? I sang that when I was a little kid. Broken. But you know what I love is this this fact here verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near. Ooh, Lord have mercy. So all the people came near. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I looked at that and, and realized that, that they realized, look, they were broken and Baal didn't have the answer. And so Elijah said, come to me. Come over here. Let me show you something. And it says that, that he repaired the broken down altar. Now, when I studied that, I looked and looked and searched, Brother Rick. I looked for where was the first altar built? Why? What was the first altar that was built there uh, at Mount Carmel? And, and all I could find and all I could go back to was the fact that the land was divided amongst the uh, 12 tribes. And, and this was the land of Asher. And, and the Bible mentions Mount Carmel there that this was the western border of Asher's land. And so I'm assuming that at some point, Asher's family had built an altar on Mount Carmel. And so therefore, there was a worship of God in that place. But Baal had came in, and people had surrendered themselves to Baal, and the worship of Baal had taken over, and the altar of God had been destroyed. And so here, Elijah calls them together, said, look guys, come here. See this place? This is where we used to worship God. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the reality right here. 
And then the Bible says that he then prepared the altar. He took 12 stones. He began to remind them of who they were. He says these 12 stones are are to remind you of the 12 tribes of Jacob. I love it that he even identifies the fact that they were called Jacob. Because what he's saying is, you were once deceivers. These 12 stones represent who you were. They represent your past. They represent the fact that you were broken. They represent the fact that you had strayed. But God is calling you Israel. You have a new name. You're a new people. You've been identified with something new. Quit walking in the past. Right now, we're going to repair the altar of God. Right now, we're going to surrender ourselves to the original plan that God has for you. You don't have to serve Baal anymore. You don't have to waver between two opinions anymore. You can trust and know that God is with you and He's for you. And so, He built the altar. Wow. And then the real sacrifice came. Because how many of you know what they needed was water? I mean, they're, they're in a dry and thirsty land, as David would call it, where there is no water. No rain. It's in a drought. And here uh, Elijah says, bring me some water. Now can you imagine those prophets of Baal who've been cutting themselves and dancing, their tongues hanging out to their chin, <gasps> thirsting to death? And Elijah says, bring me some water. I'm not talking about your little, you know, mason jar. I'm talking about big jars. And, and, and they brought jars of water and they poured it on there. He said, do it again. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I might get mad. And he took more and he, and he said, one more time. And what's unique is that the Bible says he dug a trench and a, a say of seed. Now, look, here's two things that they need that they don't have in plentiful form that he asked for for this sacrifice. If you truly want something, you have to give it away. The very thing that they needed, they had to give in order to get what God really wanted them to have. So many times, well, I, I don't know if I can give that. I don't know if I can't. Look, let me tell you something. If you're truly walking in obedience to God, God says give it, you better give it. Because when, when God says give it, that means he's got something else better coming. And so there they were, and, 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 and they, they, they gave this water, they poured the water on three times, they, put, they, they, they did their thing. And then they submitted themselves to God as he prayed. Guess what happened? God has her by fire. How many know that when we will truly walk in obedience that, that we will see the plan of God take place and there as they surrendered themselves to God, as they surrendered their will, as they surrendered their life to God, then God showed up in a powerful way and then they submitted themselves to Him because when God shows up, there's only one thing to do and that is to get on your knees and say, Oh God, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. God, I recognize that you are God. So they submitted themselves to God. For the Lord is God. And when, when the fire comes, it brings repentance. It brings refining. It brings restoration. But I submit to you that until God reigns, R-E-I-G-N-S, in our hearts, He can't reign, R-A-I-N-S, on the earth. God has to reign and you want the refreshing of God, you want the power of God, you want the glory of God, then he has to reign in your life. Can't be anything else. Can't waver. You can't walk in anything else. It has to be God. God is my director. He's the one, he's the author. He's writing my plan and I'm submitted to him because I know that as I'm walking in him, he will finish the plan. He will finish the, the, the script, if you will. And so in that here is Elijah who makes a declaration. And somebody come up here and play for I. So I, I got, woof, we got to, got to roll. He makes a declaration before ever seeing anything. 
he looks at the servant and says, go tell Ahab to get, on his, get in his chariot and ride to Jezreel. He said, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I don't see it, but I sense God's about to do something. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do know he's going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I have no doubt that God's about to do something powerful. And he declared it before it ever happened. Go. Go. Get ready. Get in your chair. Ride because the rain's coming. And then he did something very unique because, see, we need to learn to position ourselves to see the hand of God move. Look, I'm not against tele-evangelists. I'm not against all these pretty preachers. I'm jealous because they got pretty hair. I think it's awesome. I think it's great that they can have jets and mansions. It's awesome. But God's called us to position ourselves in a position of humility. And the Bible says that he laid prostrate with his knee, with his face in his knees. Lay down before God. When we position ourselves for the things of God, we're able to receive them in a manner greater. And then not only did he position himself, but he was persistent in that. Go check, go look. I sense there's this roaring of a heavy rain, a heavy shower coming. And he told his servant, go look, go look out to the sea. I don't know if you know where Mount Carmel is, but Mount Carmel's positioned uh, beside the sea in the western part of Israel, in the northwest part of Israel. And, and they look out, he goes and looks, and says, nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but nothing really aggravates God. Because nothing is impossible for God. Y'all got to get this. God's about doing something. So for God to do nothing, it's impossible. So the servant says, nothing. So, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 that's not God. Go back again. Go back again. And again, God's looking for some people who will be persistent. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Be persistent. Well, I prayed and then God didn't show up and so I just gave up. Look, too many people are giving up instead of giving in. Don't, yes, give up your plan. Give up whatever agenda that you have. Give into God's plan. And if you'll give into God's plan, it just might be that you get a little more persistent with God because you know God. I recognize that you have declared something. You have spoken something. You have said that by my words, this will happen. You said I could speak to this mountain and it shall be removed. It's my mountain to move. And so he, laying there, one more time, one more time. The Bible says on the seventh time, he said, well, it ain't much, but I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, now, Tim, a cloud the size of a man's hand in the sky is nothing. Oh, but look, little is much when God is in it. Come on. Man, I love you guys. And so he recognized it might just be a small cloud, but I know my God has promised a heavy rain. And if it takes a small cloud to bring a heavy rain, then I'm going to believe, I'm going to declare, yes, God, I see it. There's still hope. 
And so this cloud the size of a man's hand came and he got up because in faith he knew this was God. He says, you better go tell him to leave now because he's about to get stuck in the flood. <laughs> Amen? And let me tell you something. When you walk in the faith of God, you'll walk also in the power of God. The Bible says that, that he gird himself up. Now, I don't know about the word gird, gird, dude. That just sounds feminine, you know, girdle. Anyway, this, one, this is one time I agree with the, with the NIV. He, he put his cloak in his belt, all right? Pulled up his cloak and he tucked it in his belt. The Bible says that he outran. If you're looking at the, the New American Standard Bible, it says he outran. I don't know about you boys, but outran chariots, boys. God. Listen, when the power of God comes on you, the impossible becomes possible. And he outran him. The impossible, the miraculous takes place. I don't know about you, but I believe this church is ready for rain. I believe that over the last few weeks that, that there have been those who have been positioning themselves. Jared, man, Jared went down to that revival in North Georgia, messed you up, didn't it? Rock your world. A revival that's been going on for 73 weeks. Yeah. But I'm believing. Now if God says, Trish, we need to get up a crew of people and we need to go down and visit this revival because they got something we need. If God says that, then we're going to do it. We'll charter a bus if we have to. But I just believe, Dale, that that the same God that's manifesting himself in North Georgia can manifest himself right here. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer. This morning, I just want to ask, maybe you find yourself indifferent because you haven't seen God's hand move in your life in a long time. You've been weary in your well-doing. I want you to know this morning that God wants to draw near to you. Maybe you find yourself even doubting God at times because whether it be a sickness, whether it be something that has rocked your world and you're wondering, is God even real anymore? I want you to know that He's still sovereign. Our circumstances doesn't determine his sovereignty. Because he declares in this world you will have trials and tribulations. So quit trying to be American westernized mentality. The fact is, is that Jesus suffered, will suffer. And he's still sovereign. But my friend, the same God who healed back then, Brother Smelter, is the same God who can heal today. Amen? And so therefore, maybe you're just been in doubt. And God's saying, I want to bring wholeness to you. I want you to see my hand touch you. God wants to do that. Or maybe you're just all out. God, I'm surrendered. I'm just waiting on the rain. I'm just waiting on the rain. If that defines you this morning or identifies with where you are, would you be willing to come forward this morning and let us pray with you? Can we pray for healing? Can we pray for freedom? Can we pray for wholeness? If that's you this morning, would you be willing to come? That's right, Darren. I believe other people should come too.
Would you be willing to come, Brother Smeltzer, and let us pray with you? I, I'm, I know I don't mean to embarrass you or anything, but I'm believing for you. How many has ever been healed before? Amen. How many has been delivered from an addiction before? Amen. I want some of you guys who just raised your hand, would you come and get behind these right here and would you help me pray? Father, God, I know that not only are you able, but you are willing. And I pray for Jack right now, God, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, Jesus. God, that you just 